speaker um, is Kathy Tu. She's based in New York. Um, she has an award-winning uh, podcast that she presents and produces, um, and it is known as On Being Nancy, I believe. Cool. Hi. Um, so I, that's our logo. I produce a podcast called Nancy from WNYC Studios in New York. Um, this is supposed to have my notes, but I'm just going to pull it up on my phone. That's my, okay, that's me, as you can tell. That's my co-host, Tobin. He is currently on vacation in Los Angeles and not here working with me, so I'm a little bit pissed, but I'm okay. <laughs> I just find my notes, sorry. Um, we started the podcast about a year and three, four months ago. We just finished our third season. And um, it's been quite a journey trying to get from the idea that us as best friends started to here where um, I think we're a fairly successful show in the U.S., um, maybe not internationally yet, but maybe one day. I'm sorry? No, 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 this is just my notes. I'm good. So Nancy, what is Nancy? Nancy is a, is a queer show. It's about the LGBT community. It's about queer culture. Um, and we tell stories in like a narrative format, similar to if you're fans of um, This American Life, um, Radio Lab, um, that sort of thing. Those are the type of stories we tell. We do more um, narrative stories than interviews, but we do a mix of both. We like telling a mix of different things. Uh, Tobin is very good at um, story editing, story structure, and I'm much better at sound design. And usually when we work together to give this presentation, he has more of the content bits, and I just add commentary. But today, you're getting just me, so I have a lot of notes that I have to say. Um, so I think maybe the best way to start is I'll play sort of like a trailer for our show. Is it playing? I can't tell. It's not playing. Let me try again. Let me try again. No, it's not playing. <laughs> Okay. Nancy, here we go. Okay. Yeah, it was my very first scene, and the AD was like, okay, Sarah, this is Kate. Kate, this is Sarah. And in this scene, Kate's going to be going down on you. And I was like, holy shit, what? They took me to this um, gay bar, and I didn't know what was going on. And I said, there sure are a lot of men here. And then we're smoking, you're like, yeah, ma'am, I'm a man. So a transition change my name, do testosterone shots, and I was just like, I don't know what's in this weed, bro. Like, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I was never going to make another silly joke. I was never going to pretend I didn't hear the gay slurs. We were one part of a little budding gaggle of gays at the Pentagon. I like um, exercising naked. You're, you're talking like butt naked. Like butt naked. Wow. Labels do matter, especially if you're talking to a demographic that might not have heard from like a trans person before. They've only seen them as like a dead prostitute on like SVU or something. We talk about it as like dropping the W bomb. You know, you're dropping off the dry cleaning, my wife will pick it up. I didn't think I'd ever use that word. 
And then I realized how powerful it was. So that is our show kind of in a capsule. Um, we got the idea for the show. Tobin came with the idea of the show a couple years ago, asked me to do it with him, and then the two of us worked together to win. Oh, that's weird. What is that? <laughs> Not Um, what was I going to say? The two of us won um, a contest held at uh, WNYC, the largest public radio um, station in the United States, um, and we piloted our show, and they uh, uh, greenlit it, and we spent like six months figuring out the kind of stories we want to tell. So today, I'm going to go through six different clips and the type and introduce the type of stories we tell and how we went about it, and maybe that'll be useful for um, your narrative shows. So uh, a couple questions that we get a lot. Uh, we're a queer show, and I use queer as a way to say LGBTQ, since the acronym keeps growing, it's kind of hard for me to keep saying LGBTQ. IA, 2S, plus, there's a lot, and I, I want to make sure everybody <laughs> is included. So I use the word queer. Um, and uh, another question we get a lot is, why Nancy? And uh, so Nancy is, if you don't know, a derogatory term for a gay man. Um, I don't think it's as, that, as much that anymore, but Tobin decided one day, out of sheer frustration, because we couldn't think of a name for the show, that we should just name it out of a person, so we did. And uh, to me, Nancy has always reminded me of like maybe my grandmother. My grandmother's name is not Nancy, but it seems like she would be named Nancy. And uh, Tobin then informed me that it was a derogatory term. And so we decided to go with it because we wanted to reclaim it. And before we launched, we made like this little not, not Maybe not even grandmother, maybe not even that old, but like an aunt who like bakes apple pies. And it's like, oh, Nancy, it's Aunt Nancy. She's going to take care of us. Oh, thank See? you, Aunt like, Nancy. You're a blast. Yeah. Vanilla ice cream, Aunt mm, Nancy. I love Aunt Nancy. That's what I thought Nancy was. But um, it's not. So, okay, so how do we get around to the sound of this show? Before we even created this show, I had come out to my mom um, as gay a few different times. And the thing that nobody tells you is that you don't just come out and you're done with it, especially if you've got immigrant parents like mine who are very conservative and um, come from a culture where there's, you just, just never saw gay people in her life. And so by the third time that I came out, um, which was when I was studying for the bar exam, and I didn't want to study anymore, um, I recorded this conversation with her. Uh, and um, she reacted how I expected her to react. But, but the conversation was honest, and it was genuine. And um, I had this tape just sitting around, and Tobin and I decided to use it for our pilot. Um, so let me just play this piece of tape. I just, wanna, I just wanted to talk about it because it's a big part of my life. And I think, OK. If you insist, I will talk about it. The gay, I know the gay, the, the mean. 
But mm. every parent does show you a normal life. But every parent wants you to have a normal life. It's a normal life, you know, the marriage and okay? kids. This is what I hope for you. Like my parents. This was the expectation from my parents. So I expect the same for my own children. If you really are gay, there's nothing I can do about it. Because this is your choice. So the result of that was an honest and genuine conversation filled with anger and, and fear and just uh, a lot of emotions. And we decided to start off with this story as our first episode, not just as like a coming out, but more so that everybody else on the show will be able to show this sort of emotional um, range. Like nobody's going to come on our show and not be able to emote the way that they want to. And that's, so that's kind of where we started. And then we learned very early on that even though both Tobin and I are um, Asian, we're both, well, Asian American, um, we're both queer, um, and, we're, and he's gay, and I'm technically bi, um, we are not everything. So um, when you're trying to tell other people's stories, we get this question asked a lot. How do you tell somebody's story authentically? And honestly, the answer that I usually give is that you just have to let them tell it themselves. So um, for one of our episodes called Here's What It's Like, um, our coworker David came to us and told us that he's been living with HIV for the past 30 years. And he wanted to know what it was like for young people nowadays to live with HIV. Because he just had no idea. He lived through the AIDS crisis and he survived and now he's like, do people even know what we went through? And so we paired up with a young, a young man named Dominic, who's also positive, but maybe, I think he's in his mid-20s, um, to have a conversation. How many friends of, you, of yours have you lost? So many. I've lost so many people. Um, I'm sorry. <sighs> yeah. People say, you know, it's not the 80s anymore. Um, people not dying from it. And yes, they are. They're still dying from it. They're still being affected from it. I know black men are getting affected, especially the black youth. Mm -hmm. We're getting affected. And um, we're still dying, right? Um, a lot of the it's stigma. Not, it's not cured. No, it's not cured. So this is um, an episode that we've gotten the most amount of feedback from. And I want to say it's because the two people in there are talking with their background, bringing their entire history with it to the conversation with each other, that if Toby and I had been in there, it just wouldn't have been the same. And similarly, we had another episode um, in which uh, a young teenager, his name is Gilmar, he lives in this small town called Unalaska in Alaska. It's like such a tiny island, you have to fly everything in. Um, and a, a thing that was a really big deal for them was prom. Prom was a big deal. They started fundraising from it since middle school, in high school. They like start fundraising for years before they actually go to prom. And for prom, he wanted to go in drag. And uh, he, because uh, he's from Alaska, where the internet is so spotty, he can barely get YouTube to work. So he knows like how he can dress up in drag for prom. And so we connected him with a drag queen whose name is Alaska Thunderfuck. And we... <laughs> 
she was on RuPaul's Drag Race, um, and very, very nice person. And so we connected the, the two of them. How do you say the name of your city? Because I've read it, but I don't know how to say it. Unalaska. It's literally called Unalaska? Yeah. That's like the opposite of me, Unalaska. <laughs> yeah. So when we started the Skype call and the video comes up, there is Alaska in full drag. She's wearing this pink floral top with peacocks, teased up blonde hair topped with a pink rhinestone encrusted clip. I guess you were bit by the bug of drag, right? Like you're like, mm -hmm. you feel like you are a drag queen. Yes. Cause I feel it's like being a nun. It's like a divine calling. So again, there was absolutely nothing Tobin and I could have contributed this to this conversation because neither of us do drag. Um, and uh, here, I'm gonna show you a photo. This is Gilmar. That's Alaska Thunderfuck. Um, it's just a great name. And then this is uh, Gilmar in drag um, by the drag name Glimmer. And um, he just, now he's, now he like has grand plans of going back next year to prom in all different sorts of outfits. It's really great. But basically the takeaway for us was that frequently we don't need to be in these stories and it makes more sense for other people to just tell their own stories. Um, another thing that we do a lot on our show because it's such a personal show is that we, we look deep in and see what we're uncomfortable with. Um, a lot of our stories come out with our story meetings being about like, what is the thing that I'm uncomfortable with? What is the thing that I'm embarrassed about? And um, I'm just not even gonna set this up. I'm just gonna play it. Yeah, the quality is really poor. This is my boyfriend. He's a white dude, but don't worry. He's been extreme vetted. And this is us sitting down to watch as many films as I could find of this guy named Brandon Lee. So that's Brandon Lee right there? Yeah, to the left, that's him. All right, he's got like a really cool sort of floral shirt. It looks like they walked into a place, they're putting up sheetrock? There's like definitely constrict. This is a remodeled home that's okay. happening here, I think. Um, okay, yeah, getting into it. I like the music. It's a little bit Nintendo-y. I think like it's of bit. the era, yeah. yeah. Here we go, let's continue right. and play. I'd like to see that. Get on your knees and I'll show you. There's a dick. Mm -hmm. Maybe you thought this was gonna be a story about Brandon Lee, the actor and son of Bruce Lee. It's not. The Brandon Lee I'm interested in is a porn star. So that's Tobin watching porn with his boyfriend. Uh, he told us in a story meeting that he has always wondered where his body image issues come from, and it has a lot to do with the type of porn you watch when, you gr when you're growing up without any sex education about being a gay man, well, gay boy at the time, but he was a closeted um, gay man at the time. So, so he actually went on this whole journey of trying to like talk to people that he knew who are, I guess, you would call them insta-gays, where they're like on Instagram and they look really ripped and they have thousands, millions of followers. And um, Tobin went to talk to them to be like, it makes me feel the certain way 
when this is the type of gay man that's portrayed in the media, like this is what I have to be. Um, and um, I kind of, I kind of did the same thing. Um, I, when I came out, I didn't, I didn't have a queer group of friends around me. In fact, I was scared to go into a place that had a lot of queer women. And so I brought that up in a story meeting and um, I told them about this camp called A Camp where it's just all queer women, non-binary folks. And I told him, I told everybody about how scary that place sounds to me. And of course, Tobin was like, we're sending you to camp immediately. And um, I, I went to camp. Oh, this feeling. Kathy. Hi. You had a little baby crash. Yeah, it, the baby grew. <laughs> More like a toddler crush? Oh, no, I don't like that. I take that back. Uh, uh, t- a teenage crush. A teenage crush. Okay, good. A teenage crush is sort of a miracle for me. Because a few months back, right around when this podcast launched, I went through what I would call a devastating breakup. I was a complete mess. And, of course, it sounds dumb, but a part of me didn't think I could like someone new for a long time. People go to camp, you included, to Mm -hmm. do something outside of what they normally would do. So I'm going to say maybe don't overthink this one. Oh, Tobin, do you know me? (laughs) Do you know me at all? So I went to camp and I, and I, I, I fell for somebody and it didn't work out, which is fine. But... The point is, going someplace where you're uncomfortable, putting people that are in your show in places that are, where they're uncomfortable or trying to figure something out, instead of projecting like you've got everything figured out, that was a keystone for our show. And it continues to be. I mean, every season I wonder about what is the thing I'm uncomfortable with right now. Maybe that's the thing we gotta look at. Um, but also, there was a version of the story that went a lot into like the, the details and the juicy I don't know, nuances of having a crush. And at the end, it just wasn't, it wasn't a good story because it was, too, like, it was almost too salacious. It wasn't about what was really my anxiety about being there. And so I guess the takeaway from there is just that um, an emotional journey can happen and you don't need to mine yourself for just the, the juicy stuff that don't really have a place in the story. Um, and then the last clip I want to play is about finding a narrative in stories that may not naturally have a narrative. Um, so there could be a lot of things that are hard to do stories about. Internalized homophobia, if you have a weirdness about, around the weir- a word queer, it's kind of hard to find a narrative in that. For me, growing up, I always had um, this weirdness around the word butch because I was so terrified of being called a um, butch woman. And so I had my hair very long for a very long time up until I want to say last January. And um, let me play the clip first. Okay, Kathy. So when you think of the word butch now, yeah, like what do you think of? Um, 
Butch. 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 A masculine identifying. Genderqueer, non-conforming. Woman. Who sleeps with primarily women. Her hair may be short or not. To me, butch is a comfort. It's a way of presenting myself. Tennis shoes instead of high heels. Tucks at the formal event instead of a dress. I walk with a halo of gay around me when I am presenting butch. Generally pretty sexy. Butch lesbian. So our way around that was to have me talk to a guide who wasn't Tobin, because Tobin, not a woman, um, or Butch, and, uh, and then fall into these little moments of uh, almost like imagination where you go into the past and you think about what was it that made you feel this way in the first place. And by the end, I didn't solve anything. Like I'm still, I still kind of feel weird about the word Butch, but having gone through that journey I kind of look at the question differently now. Like, it's not necessarily why do I have a weirdness around it. It's like, how do I live with it now? How am I dealing with it now? Um, so that's just another way uh, that we approached stories like this. Um, I think that is the. I think that's the end, and I think I caught us up back to the right time. You're welcome. This is the end. Tobin says hi, but he's in LA, so who cares about him? Uh, that's it. Thank you. Um, in all fairness, are there any questions perhaps for Kathy? Oh, oh there are three. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, I'll make my way to you. Okay. There you go. Hello. Thank Hi. you. Brave and beautiful. Um, two quick questions. One is about the people that you interviewed. Like, say you had this crush. Had you broadcast it, would you have had needed permission from the crushee? And the second thing is, what do you use, what, literally, what microphones, what technology do you use when you're out in the field to bring back? Because it sounds so clear and crisp. Yeah. Um, I, I, use, I personally use a Tascam DR60, I think, and an Audio-Technica 8010. It's the very first kit that I ever bought after I graduated from um, my radio boot camp. And I love the sound of that microphone. It's an omnidirectional microphone. Um, and it just, everything sounds so warm um, up close. So that's what I always use when I'm in the field. Sometimes we'll use a shotgun mic, but I'm not as comfortable with that. So I tend to use the omnis faster to go back and forth when you need to. Um, and permission-wise, yeah, I, I think I, it would, it's the same rules for a podcast as it would be for a broadcast. I wouldn't put anything in a podcast that I wouldn't um, be able to broadcast. There's so many questions, um, so I'm just going to, uh, uh, typically, how many episodes per season, and also how long are the episodes, uh -huh. and then um, finally, do you look at the stats of the attrition rates of the listener? I mean, are they listening just to the first minutes of the podcast, uh -huh. or, because I mean, generally th speaking, you think a podcast is an engaged listener, they'll listen to the full thing. Right. Do you, does, does that actually uh. happen? I wish I had knew the answer. I think we would all kill for that information, but podcasting notoriously has really bad data because we listen in so many different ways. Um, I think the only, the only people that have that information might be Apple, and I don't know that they've shared that information. Um, I, so I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, we are currently a seasonal show. Each season is supposed to have 12 episodes, but somehow they've squeezed 16 out of us every season. So we released 48 so far. Um, we might go uh, year-round, I'm not sure yet, but currently it's seasonal. Uh, we think that the seasonal model isn't actually the best fit for our show because 
we're around for like three months and then we go dark for three months. And um, from what I've been told, the numbers aren't great when you do that and people think you've been canceled or that you're never coming back. So we're gonna try to go year, year round is the plan. Each episode is between 20 to 40 minutes. We try, I, I try to always make a show that I'd want to listen to and I have a hard time with our long podcasts or longer. It's really tough to keep up. Okay, two last questions. All right, mine is a quick one. You're doing a good job on the show, by the way. It sounds Thank amazing. You. Thank you. Um, I read on your profile that you've won a few awards. Um, what awards are those exactly? Um, I, me or the show? The show has only won one award. It's not that, it's not that exciting. Uh, it's a New York festival radio thing. Uh, I won a thing called the Aki Bloomstrom Award, um, which uh, is for young um, radio journalists. Uh, and I went to Europe and was paired with a mentor. Um, it, was, it was a really fun time. I learned a lot about European radio broadcasting. But then I worked in, in podcasting, so it wasn't quite the same thing. Yeah. Would you ever think of turning this into an FM radio show once a week or even daily? I mean, I would love to do that, <laughs> but uh, I think it really just depends on our station because we're so separated. There's WNYC Studios, which is basically all podcasting, and they're con continuously piloting new shows. And then there's like this, the actual station, WNYC, and they have a full like, lineup of shows that are already packed. So I don't know where we would fit in that. We'd have to repackage our stuff um, the way Radiolab, Radiolab is a podcast, but they have somebody who takes different lengths of Radiolabs and mushes them together into an hour, and that gets sold around the country at radio stations. So we need to have a person to do that, and we have a pretty small staff, so I'm not, I'm not sure I would love to do that, though. They just have to invest in us. Cool. Fantastic presentation. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you. I think you can give everyone a applause.